today on Doomed! If there's ever been a more relevant name for a show, I mean, Doomed seems to be it right now, folks. I feel like we are in uncharted territory here. Folks, the country is basically locking down for coronavirus. Uh, big events are being canceled left and right. People are being uh, urged to uh, stay indoors if they can. Try to limit what's going on. And that's where uh, shows like this, this one come in with the live stream, uh, will be handy, I guess, for everyone who's uh, guy looking for something to do while they're home. I don't have anything really uh, witty or funny to say on a day like today, but I do have lots to talk about past this intro and it will be fun because there'll be some you know it's we'll make it fun because it's always fun let me pull them up on the screen when my guest comes on this show and that guest is my buddy jared holt from right wing watch jared thank you for joining us today hey matt it's always a good time am i on the screen now you are on the screen now all right, I'll make sure to stop touching my face, and uh, I, I wouldn't want the Surgeon General to see me doing that, you know? Right, right, right. We don't want no handshakes either. I was about to handshake you, but we oh, yeah. <laughs> have to give you a handshake. Man, this is, you know, what's, uh, just, to, just to lay it out, you're on the show to talk about CPAC and the Conservative Political Action Conference, and I believe this might be the... Oof, I, I don't. You've been on the show numerous times, but this might be either the second or third time you've come on the show specifically to talk about your CPAC experience. I think it might be the second year for CPAC, and maybe once before for something else. Right, right. So you've definitely been on to talk about CPAC before, and I've been to CPAC before. I've I've not been there in a, in a couple of years, but I believe I went in 2016 and 2017. Uh, that's the last time I went. But usually I, I tell people, you know, if you're into politics, uh, you should certainly go check out CPAC. Absolutely. It's a circus, man. It is quite the event. I mean, you don't have to be a right winger, please. You, it's, it, is a, it is an experience. Let's put it that way. Right, but, right. It, it, is, it is Mecca for like <laughs> anyone interested in right-wing politics either you know someone from a perspective i come from or for the people that really believe in this stuff you know right now as an addendum to me usually recommending people going to cpac it sounds like skipping cpac this year was a good idea i i think it's safe to say so you know i i was gonna come on here and we were gonna talk about cpac but now, you know, if you look at the headlines and sort of the news, you can't talk about CPAC without also talking about coronavirus, because it, as it turns out, somebody who was at CPAC was later diagnosed with coronavirus. So I've been in a quarantine for since uh, Monday. I was about to get out, but now our office is doing telecommuting. So I am still quarantine gang, a quarantine crew, if you will. Um but but yeah, now now it's the coronavirus political action conference. Uh, unfortunately, that's 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 a good one. I was gonna go. Yeah. I was gonna go with uh, uh, COVID nineteen goes to CPAC twenty twenty or something like that. But I guess 
coronavirus political action committee works even better. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've had a lot of time on my hands just to think up dumb shit like that. <laughs> I might have to make that the uh, the official title of the um, the uh, the podcast episode now on YouTube. Actually, I knew we were going to mention you know coronavirus, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more. We we're going to mention. I knew we were going to talk about coronavirus at CPAC. But on YouTube, I didn't want to write that in the title or anything or in the the the, uh, the description because YouTube has they've they've since reversed it somewhat. They've demonetized all videos about coronavirus starting last mm-hmm. week, and then this week they announced, you know what, being that it's such a big part of the conversation now, we'll let you monetize that if you're a big news organization we partner with. Or mm. if you, or if you uh, apply for specific monetization on that video, and maybe the system will catch it, and I'll have to do that. But honestly, I don't want to deal with that, so I didn't write it in the description. But I'm sure they'll be scanning the audio and they'll hear it. Hey, oh, YouTube that's so, automated. That's so annoying. It's so annoying, man, because that really dis, you know, advantages smaller creators. It's just like, right? Yeah, that sucks, man. <laughs> right, but it's okay. It's okay. So, so how did this how did this whole thing with coronavirus at CPAC? How did this play out? How did it it, it come out? Because um, I know that when CPAC was going on, I was obviously paying attention to it and, and jumping into certain um, uh, videos of the speeches and, and, and events that happened at CPAC, and it seemed like a big theme of this whenever coronavirus came up. Uh, and now they didn't know coronavirus was there when they were talking about it at the event. But the big theme of it was hardy har 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 ha ha ha. This is ridiculous. It's either overblown or a hoax. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, there I was in the CPAC main hall back in the press pit with all my friends from, you know, Breitbart, the Daily Caller. Oh, all those guys love me. Um you know, just hanging out, CPAC, having a good time, listening to Mick Mulvaney tell me that, you know, the coronavirus was just being used by Democrats to attack Trump. And, you know, I was like, hey, you know, maybe this thing isn't going to be so bad after all. Uh, I believe Donald Trump Jr. also said something about it. I don't remember exactly what he said, but um, I, I know it came up in sort of the same idea that, you know, the coronavirus is not that big of a deal. There. It's being hyped up and weaponized to attack Trump. You know, heard it, didn't think about it. I was like, okay, whatever. Like, of course they're going to say that. And then a couple days later, I check my email and I've got uh, an email that all the attendees got from uh, CPAC. And I was thinking, okay, maybe they're going to like try to sell me like some health health sharing insurance scam or whatever the fuck. And instead it's like, um, hey guys, uh, just to let you know, someone there had coronavirus and we're in the process and, and they've sent emails throughout the time, uh, since then, apparently, uh, they claim to have tested everyone at the resort slash convention center where CPAC is held. That's kind of been contested since then. Uh, you know, they're claiming that this person was never in the main hall, that sort of, you know, trying to dampen these fears that other people might have been exposed to this. Um, it came out today, Washington Examiner identified the person who had it as this wealthy New York doctor, uh, OBGYN doctor, 
uh, I guess who had just bought like a backstage pass and was mingling with uh, the, the politicians and the VIPs, which is why in the days since it's kind of come out that, you know, you have people like Ted Cruz and um, Mark Meadows had been exposed to this individual who was infected, uh, but seemingly none of the run of the militanties had. So um, it's been sort of developing throughout the week, uh, the, the news about it. Um, and, and now I think it's hard even a week ago to think that this coronavirus stuff would be at the level that it is now, you know? Right. You know, I feel like CPAC, if it was happening uh, just a week uh, later, it probably would have been canceled because all these big events are just shutting down left and right. The NBA's postponed their season, Uh, Major League Soccer, ML, uh, Major League Baseball, uh, NHL, uh, the XFL has completely canceled the season, uh, which I guess was an easier uh, thing for Vince McMahon to go with. Then canceling WrestleMania, which, by the way, is still scheduled to happen. 70,000 people, apparently, all over the world are going to show up in Florida in three weeks. Uh, I don't think so. But, we'll uh, see, yeah, we'll see about that. But they're, they're, they're not canceling it yet. Yeah, I've got tickets to Kill Switch and Gage on Saturday, and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm kind of expecting that's not going to go through, you know? Right, right. Uh, it, I guess it really depends. I mean, it, because uh, speaking of Vince McMahon... You know, the weekly wrestling shows haven't been canceled yet, and those happen at arenas. I know on Saturday, on Friday, tomorrow, SmackDown was supposed to take place at an arena in Detroit, but instead they're moving it down to their small performance center, and they're just going to do the show there in Florida at their like little like performance center, which is not an arena. But I mean, I see all these things just not being canceled that, that seemingly should be canceled. Uh, uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, if things keep going the way they're going and given the nature of a pandemic that is a virus uh it's hard to imagine they won't keep going the way they're going at least for a little while uh it's hard for me to imagine you know the excuses to keep it going are reducing and reducing and reducing and eventually i think we're just gonna probably get to a point where pretty much everything is called off and we're just What's the phrase I keep hearing? Social distancing, yes. right? Uh, I mean, that, what is, sh- that is what they should a very, do- very colorful way to say, like, keep away from in. me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what they should just do is literally just everything should be paused for like a month. Like literally just pause life for a month. Like we should be, uh, the government should give everyone money. The government should give everyone food. Everything should be paused for a month. And that way it'll just be go- done. It'll be done. It will, will, will get rid of, like, just tell everyone they can stay home for a month. Every, cancel everything for a month. And that way we can just get this over with and no one else will get sick. Uh, and people who are sick, they'll get through the, the bug. And uh, in a month, we could just restart everything back to normal. Uh, well, Matt, what you're describing sounds a little bit like uh, socialism. socialism. And, and I learned at CPAC, the main lesson of CPAC was that socialism is bad. Let's, let's talk <laughs> not, it. Not good. Because when I went to CPAC the first time, the big theme there was the millennial generation. And then the next year I went, 
the big thing, you know, when I say the millennial generation, I mean how conservatives can reach out to millennials. Millennials are the future. How can we get them in? And this was 2016. You know, Bernie Sanders is rising for the first time. People out of the blue, no one know, you know, who isn't into politics knows who this guy is. And all of a sudden, he's got all these young people uh, behind him who are uh, becoming members of the Democratic Socialists of America. And so CPAC's big thing was the millennial generation. How can we get them to be conservatives? And then like a year later, it becomes pretty clear that they want to focus on the socialism aspect of that uh, specifically and how oh right. no young people are really into socialism and now from what it sounds like to you from what you just said this still is the big thing at CPAC this is what they're harping on this is the big theme uh, socialism is bad right and especially um, you know I've gone to CPAC for I think three years in person I've covered it for about four years um, but last year when I was there very explicitly early on in the conference, they, you know, just straight up said, like, we have to deal with socialism. We have to, like, our strategy of attack is going to be calling the Democrats socialist and attacking socialism. Because they seem to have it in their head that socialism, like, eventually, at some point in electoral politics, is going to be where... Uh, Democratic Party-based voters get to. Um, and they see Sanders as, like, indicative of that, you know, this growing support, this younger generation that is uh, down with Bernie Sanders, down with sort of rethinking the way that, uh, it, you know, whether it's the financial system or the political system, how it relates to that, uh, you know, be restructured, uh, that threatens them. So they want they are trying to hit that surface. You know, it's um, it's perfect. Early. It's perfect. You said that because you know if if any of those people out there if, in the Democratic base who sees those Trump tweets uh, where he's constantly tweeting about Bernie Sanders and thinks that oh Trump is doing that uh, tweeting uh, you know sort of positively it looks like about Bernie Sanders because he wants to face Bernie Sanders. I mean, I suggest. If you're one of those people, go to CPAC and you'll quickly understand that that's not the case. Right. Even uh, Charlie Kirk, of all people, you know, I'm sure if your show's like mine, made fun of Charlie Kirk plenty. Um, but Charlie Kirk said something, and this was a really illuminating moment for me while I was there. Uh, Charlie Kirk just got like dead serious one morning and on the stage was like, we can't just tell people that socialism sucks. Like you, we cannot underestimate how potent this is with young people and like how close we actually are to seeing something like that. Now, of course, when they see, say socialist and I think to the fault of even a lot of, uh, American socialists, uh, it will describe themselves using that term and what they really are on like a global perspective is a social democrat or like from a policy perspective they're a social democrat um, but you know they use that kind of interchangeably um, they think that social democrat type push for things like medicare for all for uh, raising the minimum wage guaranteed sick leave that sort of thing it, like that is an affront to them and their interest. And uh, if 
I I think they realize even more than some like MSNBC pundits uh, that people want this and people need this and people are struggling and you know if they don't do something uh, traumatic quickly they are going to be on the losing side of that argument. You know that is that is really interesting because I mean you know. A lot of the, the, you know, when I say smart people in the conservative movement, I do mean someone like, you know, a Charlie Kirk. I don't think he's like, you know, smart in the sense that I would call, uh, you know, someone smart if they were very intelligent. I mean, he's smart in so much that he sees what's going on and he's accurately uh, putting it all together. Uh, Like you said, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, the fact that you you compared it to he's gets it better than an MSNBC pundit, and it's it's the truth, because you know it, it, once you really you know he's a young guy Charlie Kirk, he yeah. sees the people around him. He runs a conservative youth movement. I mean whether you want to it's a, it's a it's sort of like an astroturf movement, but right, it's still right. but, it, it's an old person's idea of what a young person's movement is, but. Right. Right. But, but yeah, but obviously he's a young guy. And if you go to CPAC, you do see that, you know, there's usually a handful about, you know, a dozen or so uh, of uh, other young people, college students who are usually with Turning Point USA with like the socialism sucks shirts. And like, obviously, those kids go to school and they have friends and they see what's going on. Like, I think you just really need to like. I've mentioned this uh, throughout these past few weeks with the Democratic primaries. I mean, all these cable news stations, you know, they have on someone with the Trump perspective. They have on someone with the the Biden perspective. They even had people on with like every other primary contest uh, candidate perspective, except for Bernie Sanders, really, because you, the, who are the people who are on these panels? They're usually 40 plus. Uh, they usually have some sort of background that puts them on TV like that. Mm-hmm. And Bernie Sanders' base are young. And uh, for some reason, uh, I mean, they're not getting young people to go on these panels. I mean, recently, they got uh, Alexandra Rojas from uh, uh, Justice Democrats, who's young, as a CNN panelist. And um, uh, MSNBC, I think, or is it? No, the CNN also got Abdul from, uh, who ran for... For governor of Michigan, also Justice Democrats, mm. as as a panelist, but MSNBC has completely not done anything to get any sort of young people on to understand what's going on with, with uh, with the people who support Sanders, and I think it's a big mis. It leads to this big misunderstanding, and hell, they're letting someone like Charlie Kirk get it better than they are, which is a that's a shame. That's like sad on their part. Right. And and I think it ends up creating the type of thing that the election of Donald Trump did, too, which is uh, you have this kind of cable news. Uh, I don't know what you like, a media class, if you will, like there's like a as much as broadcast news is a, a class of uh, people, you know, there's class interest there. And for the longest time, you know, they. And, and this isn't a perfect comparison, but there was a period in time where they were like, we're not going to bring on Trump supporters. This guy's a, a sideshow. It's whatever. 
eventually they did bring them on. And I think if Sanders continues, hopefully they'll bring voices that support Sanders on. But I think what that hesitancy and sort of that uh, intentional distancing did, excuse me, uh, in the beginning was kind of contribute to this almost like dual reality that we find ourselves in now, right? Where you have Trump and his movement believing the things they believe and the rest of us, it just seems so absolutely outlandish that we can't even try to understand why people believe that sometimes. But I completely agree with you, but you know, at least when they have the Trump people on, we know there's at least about 60 million people who voted for Donald Trump, who the, these Trump supporters they have on these shows are speaking to or representing. And that's, that's you know, you can say it's not good they're on. You can say it's good that they're on so we can understand what, what these people are thinking or whatever. There's obviously, mm-hmm. I don't think both arguments have good points. Right. But on the other side, who are the voices who these cable news channels usually get to be uh, the anti-Trump perspective? It's not the left. You it's know, Republicans, uh, man. It's exactly, Bill Crystal. Exactly. It's not even it's not even mainstream Democrats a lot of the time. It's these never Trump Republicans who do not represent anyone. There's literally like it's probably I don't even know how many people they are, but they're not. The 60 million Trump voters, they're not the 65 million Hillary voters. They're not even in the millions, I can tell you. We're right. talking, I at, mean, we're talking I'll, at, I'll, at most six figures worth of people, like literally, like across the whole right. country. Right. All you have to do is look at the candidacy of Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh is this like right wing commentator, uh, radio guy who was like super pro Trump and then in the years after the election became anti-Trump. Then he announced that he was running for president, went on MSNBC, CNN, all the networks talking about how he was running for president. He was going to primary Donald Trump and finally bring order back to the party. And he just bombed. And I mean, it was almost like he was never there to begin with. And that should just show you, I mean, like, this dude didn't even clear 1%. There is not a faction of the Republican Party that these people actually speak to. Right. And going to CPAC to tie it all back in, you know, it, it's easy to kind of get your perception of what politics is when you are just scrolling through a phone or clicking around on the internet. But until you're really like in a physical space with people and interacting with them and having conversations with them, you don't really fully know. And going to CPAC and talking to people and walking around and, you know, hearing what everyone had to say, this is essentially just like like Trump is the tent now. There's not like the small government tent. It's just like the Trump tent and then everyone else is trying to find their place in it. Right, right. And the funny thing about the Joe Walsh example is that he's actually one of those rare never Trump guys He's a terrible. He's got a horrible background. If you look into this guy, he's not a good guy. Uh, but he was one of the rare never Trump guys who actually meant never Trump. At least when he said never Trump. But we don't. We won't. We won't ever right. know this because it looks like this is not going to be the way it goes. But this is a guy who said openly on Twitter uh, that you know I'm I'm being serious when I mean never Trump. 
I'll even go out and campaign for Bernie Sanders and vote for him if he's the nominee. The other, the, the majority of even Never Trump people don't believe that because even they right. are out there saying, we'll vote for anyone to get rid of Trump because we're Never Trump. Oh, except Bernie Sanders. If Bernie Sanders is the nominee, then we're, we're all of a sudden we're not Never Trump anymore. <laughs> Right, right. I, I mean, like most of these people are going to like look at how their taxes are going to change and are going to pull the lever for Trump anyway. So I don't even understand like why these people are on TV all the time. And there's well, I won't say too much, but there's a lot of people on TV that I don't know why they're on TV, but right. we'll leave it there. Right. <laughs> what needs to happen, Jared, is MSNBC, CNN, hell, even Fox News. I'm, I got no problem going on Fox needs to have people like you and me on. It's that simple. I, I, yeah, yeah. Why not? I mean, I'll just like drop an F bomb in the middle of Fox News and let them pick up the FTC fine or whatever. You know, I, th- I, th- I think FTC. there's a, I do think, and I know there's people who disagree with me, and I know there's, this is a whole debate on, 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 between progressives and the left, and, but I do think there is an actual benefit to going on Fox News. And I've explained it as this, you know, if you are going on Fox to just bash Democrats, then that's that's pretty dumb. But if you're going on Fox and you are going to use that time to actually give the Fox News the Fox News audience something that they wouldn't get uh, regardless, uh, otherwise I should say, uh, then I think there's a net benefit there. Like when Bernie Sanders has a town hall on Fox News, you know, of course they're gonna gonna use that footage and bash him later. But they were gonna bash Bernie Sanders anyway on Fox News. It's not like that. Fox News Town Hall gave them something to 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 knock Bernie Sanders over, but if they knock Bernie uh, a thousand times on that uh, on that uh, show on that on that network, but that time Bernie had on there gave off positive uh, uh, views of his policies, then the minus that from the a thousand times they attack him and some positive stuff broke through to that audience at some point during the broadcast, like yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there can be um, ideological ground to be gained by going on Fox. Um, for me, I don't think I would go on Fox personally, but that's more of a, like, I don't want to be part of their advertising scheme. Because if you are on the left and you go on Fox, then Fox takes that to advertisers and says, see, we are a fair and balanced network. We have people from all sides. And it's kind of like... A, uh, I, I guess the same way like vegans don't like to eat meat, right? They yeah. don't want to like, like there's the, the I don't want to eat animal thing, but then it's also the like, I don't want to be a part of this industry yeah, type I, situation. It's kind of that same idea, I my, think. My view on this has changed. I completely support any organization or any group that is doing the work to get, you know, to, to help make it hard for Fox to have advertisers. But I mean, this is my view. It's evolved. We've been playing, the left has been playing this game for how many years now? And it's, the strategy needs to change up. Because Fox clearly has the money to, to I mean, Rupert Murdoch is not dying for cash. Uh, right. Fox News is doing just fine. And these boycotts have been going on for, I mean, how many years? I mean, we're, 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 I think we're approaching a decade now. Uh, I mean, the strategy, that stuff needs to continue happening. But I think the strategy needs to be uh, switched up a little bit. And that's why I think it's fine for, for someone on the left to go on Fox News if they're actually going to go on to break through the usual uh, crap that's on Fox News. 
Right, right. And I'm sympathetic to it. Personally, I don't think I would do it. But, you know, it's there's also the question of like, what point in time are we at right now? Like, is it more important to try to break through to people right now during an election year than it is other years? There's a lot of, uh, like you said, valid points for sort of both positions there. Well, AOC actually went on Fox News today to talk the coronavirus. Because I haven't got a chance to watch that, but I I did see her tweet something about that. Yeah, and I mean, I mean her her explanation is is, is sort of how I feel. I mean, you know, she, she said she wouldn't have gone on otherwise, but the situation means that uh, gave her an opportunity to to break through to the audience, talk about coronavirus and and how serious it is and what could be done to to help people uh, while this, I believe it's now officially a pandemic, is spreading. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I just think that's the that's the idea. But I don't mean to, to turn this into a Fox News debate. Let's get back to CPAC. Oh, right. <laughs> CPAC. Uh, so, so, so the socialism uh, addiction over at CPAC is in full effect still. Charlie Kirk uh, is obviously totally in tune with uh, – his fears are well-founded because uh, both parties are about to get rolled, I think, in the coming generation. I mean, you give it 10 years – and you're going to have a completely different electorate. Uh, and it's going to be, uh, I mean, right now we're looking at who's, who's uh, going with Bernie and we're seeing it's a majority of people 40 and under. Uh, I mean, give it 10 years and that group is then 50 and under. And we're talking right. about an even smaller sliver of boomers and older Gen Xers who are making up this minority, it'll be, of people who don't think that uh, socialism is the answer to these issues that are affecting uh, people, particularly young people. Uh, and, and I think the parties are going to face a reckoning when that happens, truthfully. I really do think there's going to be uh, a reckoning for both parties to face. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even at CPAC, these younger uh God, I feel old calling them kids, but they're like, you know, freshmen, sophomores in college, uh, maybe seniors in high school coming with their schools to CPAC, you know, and some sponsor trip to go get plugged into the conservative movement with their young Republicans club or whatever. And even between like them and the adults in the room, the disconnect is just miles away. These younger kids are like all in on the like Pepe memes and like weird sort of like fringier far-right stuff the kind of stuff that you know has really kind of nestled itself into youtube and uh some different like streaming cultures you know it's just you know it's just a different different style different culture and and then the asks are different right um and yeah i agree i i was also thinking that sort of this year uh which is that <laughs> like you know matt schlapp and the guys running this conference have no idea what's coming up ahead of them right so what 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 else happened at CPAC this year? We're probably going to end up swinging back around to coronavirus because there's a few more questions I want to ask you about it. But let's 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 cover what else happened at CPAC. Let's not make coronavirus uh, everything. So we got the socialism aspect, in which the the show seems to revolve around now. Uh, what were the other big takeaways from CPAC 2020? Uh, big take. This isn't so much a takeaway as uh, just sort of something I thought was interesting. I feel like I watched uh, Jacob Wool and Jack Berkman's stunt uh, just like die. I, I would kind of be surprised if they keep doing it after their CPAC stunt. What did they do at um, CPAC? 
So exactly, you didn't hear about it, did you? I did not. There you go. So uh, Jacob Wool, Jack Berkman, for since like the days of the Mueller investigation starting up, have been doing these periodic press conferences where they show up and they have these crazy claims. It'll be like Rob Mueller uh, sexually assaulted a woman. Or um, one of the funnier ones was that Elizabeth Warren uh, was a cougar and was sleeping with this like hot, muscled up young guy. Um, Which we, and, all, and are, we these, all know based on the primary results is that this did her in. Right, right. Uh, the Jacob Bull took out Elizabeth Warren. That's crazy. But um, so, yeah, they always show up. They have these like crazy idea, uh, just like crazy made up shit. And uh, they just hold these ludicrous press conferences that have attracted uh, people like me and other reporters just to kind of and like at first it was covering them and debunking the claims because there was like a worry that they would catch on and be treated as legitimate. Journalists had to like debunk them to maintain some sort of semblance of information quality order or whatever. And very quickly they just turned into this sideshow circus that was just kind of like the greatest show in right-wing politics to go see. It's these people that cannot be embarrassed going and just making insane claims and presenting very serious, um, these have kind of been dying off. I, I think they did too many in rapid succession and people started to lose interest. Um, and also they're all just so easy to debunk. You can do it sometimes while the press conference is happening. If you've got your phone out. Um, and they did one at CPAC that was about Roger Stone's trial and it was just so empty. I mean, it wasn't even like a good fake claim. It was just like a lousy fake claim and no one really cared and they just kind of walked <laughs> off like embarrassed i think and i don't think anybody wrote an article about it i don't think most people even tweeted about it except i i, I tweeted about it to the extent of like a picture where it's like all right they're doing another press conference i'll let you know if they say anything and um i don't know i, I just don't know if they're going to do it again especially if like jacob wool actually gets pulled into court and things get real for him uh you know i i don't know i kind of feel like i watched that whole saga die now they weren't official guests right like they just paid to, to to go in right oh yeah no they uh well they don't even go into cpac oh, this uh, was last year they got kicked out of the the resort convention center i remember now. um okay. but yeah they just like walk into the lobby and there's this little pavilion that overlooks kind of the lower lobby they just go up there and they talk for like 15 minutes and then they leave. Right, right. Hold on. I, I should give a full disclosure because it's, it's now becoming a topic in the chat room. My cough. <laughs> uh, if anyone's been watching my streams for the past like month, you would know that I've had this cough that I can't shake. I went to the doctor the other day to be safe. I do not have coronavirus, as far as I know at least. But I don't have a fever. I don't have any symptoms of that. I don't have a, a, a cold, a flu. I literally just have this cough, which the doctor thinks is allergy-related. So I'm now on allergy-related medication, and uh, I will continue to cough until I guess I'm through that. Uh, I'm fine, people. Now let's get back to, the, to, to this uh, wonderful conversation. This so, segment brought to you by WebMD. <laughs> right, there you go. There no. you go. I also have a really, like, what doesn't help my cough at all is all of a sudden, 
I have like this bad nasal drip. I'm getting really personal here now. Maybe too much information, <laughs> right? I got this bad nasal drip. So it's totally like tickling the back of my throat. It makes me cough even more. So that's that's it, everybody. Okay, so so we got Jacob Wall and uh, his buddy doing their usual shtick at CPAC, which seems to be fading, which doesn't seem to be fading. It It is most definitely fading. Uh, now... How did Trump's speech go over at CPAC? Oh, they love the guy. I well, mean, I, can't get can't get enough. It's like ice cream, man. It's like <laughs> it, it's I, I, everybody loves it. But what did he say? What did he say? Give me some give me some deets. I mean, I I I know what he said, but for my audience, give him give me give me some deets as the guy who was there. It was just kind of hard to follow this year, honestly. Like, it, he just kind of started, and it's like, we love it. We love everything. We're doing so great. Everything is awesome. Socialism, bad. Conservatism, good. And just just total rambling nonsense. I ended up just, like, kind of dipping out a few minutes ahead of time just to, like, get away from everything and, like, try to have a normal Saturday. But, uh yeah, yeah, just like totally incoherent. Was there something in the speech that that you is thought that, particularly? Is is that where he did the Michael Bloomberg thing? Oh yeah, yeah. mini mic. And, and he did he did the thing where he he ducked down at the the the, uh, the oh my god, I'm having a mental block. Podium. The podium. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. He he crashed down uh, at the podium was... and stuck his head over and was like, "Oh, I'm I'm mini Mike Bloomberg," which I. That's funny. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, honestly, I remember when he was running for president. Hate the guy. W- did everything possible to make sure he he did not win. Uh, but when he would go on stage at the Republican debates and trash Jeb Bush and his entire family for things like the Iraq War, I mean, you couldn't help but be happy that this family was finally. Uh, getting called out on on national television for their their horribleness, even though the other yeah, the, the I, guy, even though the guy doing it was horrible too, so I felt that way about the Michael Bloomberg thing. Michael Bloomberg, terrible, terrible guy. Donald Trump, terrible, terrible guy. To see one of them knock the other so hard, and also in a very funny manner, I'm um, I'm here for it. Yeah, yeah. I always tell people that Trump like would not be as bad if he wasn't the president like <laughs> I, I i don't know uh and also you know if two billionaires want to like argue with each other and you know take shots at each other who am i to deny them such pleasures uh <laughs> right yeah I mean... so we got a little bit of that but um it, it's kind of interesting you know we started this talking about coronavirus and the whole theme of cpac this year was america versus socialism but as coronavirus creeps in, now these same conservatism or same conservatives, excuse me, are kind of asking questions like they're, they're so close to getting it on the socialism part. I feel like they're like, I don't understand why is our why, why would people have to pay thousands of dollars to get tested for uh, COVID-19? Right. I, I don't understand. Why, why don't we have this, these tests available? Oh, well, what's going to happen to people who don't have paid sick leave for their jobs? Like, I feel it's just like they're so close, man. They're so close. But instead, like any sort of prescription to these issues, they've been taught at places like CPAC are 
bad, bad socialism, and we can't have them, and nothing can ever get better. In fact, we should have less health, you know, health care for everybody. Right. I mean, Ben Shapiro just tweeted earlier today. Where is it? Everyone was uh, screenshotting the tweet to to own him, pretty much. Um, oh, God, I can't find it now. Of course, I had it up two seconds ago. He said something to the effect of, uh, what's going on with these, uh, these tests? Where are they? What's, ha- what's happening here? And it's like, hey, buddy, <laughs> why do you think other countries have these testing uh, capabilities already and we don't? I mean, come on. Well, I mean, it's just a strain on the American infrastructure, and I think it's exposing itself for how uh, unfair and uh, that just inept it is at de- at you know delivering mass care uh, across the country in times of crisis. Um, so it's like all the arguments are being uh, laid out just by like one situation on why you know we should maybe think rethink how we have this all set up. Um, but instead like the Democrats are just pushing Joe Biden, I guess is, is what their guy is going to be. The guy who doesn't want anything to change. Right. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how different this primary would have played out. If coronavirus came here about a month, a month and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what, if anything was different. Right. Now, back on the topic of coronavirus. So, we have Ted Cruz in uh, his self-quarantine. Did anyone else from CPAC quarantine themselves? I believe Mark Meadows might have quarantined himself. Oh, right. But then two days after he said that, he was photographed in the Oval Office sitting next to Trump. Awesome. So, um, Matt Gates quarantined right after he uh, he was also took a trip on Air Force One, <laughs> mocking it and mocking the idea that, that the coronavirus was something to be taken seriously. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's just so insane to me. I, I mean, I feel like nowadays we're just in the phase of politics where like the mask is just melting off, uh, and like. Everything is just so naked at this point. You have people like Matt Gates who are just trying, like, making a mockery of this whole situation. And then, like, the second it touches anything close in their orbit, now it's, like, very serious and we're taking this seriously and we're quarantining as not to, you know, spread the thing. And it's, it, it's just that the, uh, what's it called? The dissonance between those two things is outstanding. Right, right. I mean, I mean, this is something that that I, I live in. I live in. Uh, everyone who listens to this podcast knows. I talk about it. I've mentioned it on Twitter. I live in Queens, in New York City, specifically the Flushing area. And best borough. There's it's the best borough, absolutely. And there's a large Asian population in this area. It's actually the a, the a, the Asian demographic is actually the majority in my neighborhoods. Uh, my neighborhood and it's uh, home to main street flushing which is basically the the new chinatown in new york city it's more chinatown than chinatown in manhattan um which obviously due to rising prices in manhattan all those you know like little italy and chinatown have been sort of been getting sort of decimated in, in that borough but that's another story for another that's a totally different topic uh 
so I've been actually seeing the effects of this coronavirus uh, for for months now because uh, basically this uh, Main Street Flushing, busy, 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 busy place in Queens, uh, has been a lot less busy. Restaurants and small businesses here have been saying they're you know they've been feeling the effects. And if you watch, uh, look for stories online of racism over the coronavirus in New York, I can tell you that a large amount of that has been uh, on public transportation uh, headed to this neighborhood or in this neighborhood itself or people who were coming from this neighborhood. So there's been a real, you know, in this, you know, and I, I tweeted out a picture yesterday actually where where the um, the urgent care that I went to for my cough the other day, they actually had some posters up trying to sort of downplay the coronavirus, which actually some of the stuff they were saying was sort of not good in the opposite way, but like sort of showing that like, you know, before it became the pandemic it is now, you know, people here in, in these these areas of New York City or across the country where there are, is a significant Asian population have been dealing with the racism from this, and we are now seeing this more so than ever from the Republican Party. I mean, they're literally calling it uh, the Wuhan virus. They're calling it the Chinese virus. They're calling. They're, they're blaming China for it. Uh, I mean, it's 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 not stunning that they're being xenophobic, but I mean, I can't think of something that would be that that could be less helpful. Right, right, and it's. Uh, you know, xenophobic, uh, that's like the most obvious tone. But there's also sort of a subtone happening here where uh, Republicans are really taking it upon themselves to try to use this virus to deepen uh, animosity towards China. Uh, that it's a big agenda item for the Trump administration. It's like something Steve Bannon has been very intense about uh, from day one. So, you know, I, it's xenophobic primarily, but there's also kind of a subtext happening too, where, you know, as much as these same politicians want to accuse the Democrats of trying to politicize uh, this pandemic, they're also trying to politicize it in a way to like build up resentment towards China and then therefore justify any sort of future um, tariffs or, or trade war type things. Right. But you but and I know you get this, but just for people who are listening and watching, you see that well, when the Republicans are out there using that rhetoric with maybe uh, their Chinese relations and trade deals and foreign policy in mind, uh, the Republican base, they're not involved with those conversations, so they don't get to take out their aggravation over this with the Chinese government. They take out that aggravation over this with... Chinese immigrants and even exactly. and even exactly and even people yeah. who aren't Chinese immigrants. I mean, you're seeing racism here for anyone who they deem to be Asian, regardless of whether they're even from China to begin with, which is wrong. You know, I'm not saying that makes it right, obviously, because I. But I mean, you're seeing just like after 9/11, how one of the first hate crimes in the United States that resulted in a death was a Sikh man being shot at a 7-Eleven. You're seeing, mm-hmm. you know, you're mm-hmm. going to see, and you're seeing now. Racism against Chinese, Korean, Japanese, anyone who looks like whatever a Republican views as a stereotypical uh, Asian person. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, you know, even though these politicians might be doing it for their own ends and for their own reasons or whatever, the the byproduct is, uh, you know, toxic and, and often dangerous to these communities. So, Jared, thank you for joining me on this show on, yeah. a, on a crazy day where coronavirus is just completely uh, taking over the news cycle. And I, I mean, rightfully so. What else can possibly be talked about right now? Yeah, yeah. I keep telling people it's the only thing happening right now. Uh, I also appreciate you uh, breaking down the big stories from CPAC. I mean, CPAC was only about, what, a week and a half ago? And now I feel like it's it feels it's like crazy, it was man. a lifetime it, away. It feels like it was forever ago. And there was even just like weird little things that happened at that conference that I just because of everything that's happened since just don't seem important anymore. Um, it's just kind of, it's crazy, man. It's, uh, I, I'm hoping things get back to normal someday. Uh, now, yeah. do you want to stick around for a bit? Maybe you could talk more on the patron only, uh, portion of the show about those little things. And we'll maybe, uh, we'll take some questions from the, uh, the YouTube live stream audience as well. Uh, sure. Yeah. I can stick around for a little bit. Cool. So, uh, folks, uh, Jared, I'm going to put you on mute for a second just to throw in some plugs. Uh, you can go grab a glass of water, go use the restroom, whatever you need to do. And then uh, you'll be back up uh, in a minute. All right. Sounds good. All right. So, uh, folks, uh, Jared's going to join us for the patient-only portion of the show. Uh, if you're watching on the live stream, whether that's on YouTube, Periscope, Twitch, or Facebook Live... Um, you can stick around and I will also, you'll also get to see that live stream show, but if you're catching the podcast or the replay, uh, and you're not watching this live, you need to become a patron to get that part of the show. Go to patreon.com slash mapbender and you could support this show. All I ask for is $5 a month. Now I know all the craziness going around now with coronavirus. If you were someone who is worried your job will be affected by this, uh, I do what you need to do financially. Don't you know? There's other ways you can support this show, but if you're someone who's able to work from home, or you know your job is not gonna be affected by this, you know you can, you know you're uh, just weathering the storm here. Patreon.com/slash/MattBender. It's greatly appreciated, and the people who make this show possible via Patreon is Abigail T, Adam Q. Alan B, Amanda H, Andrew C, Andrew H, Angela, R.E.R., Baka, Ben, Benji, Bobby M, Brosnan, Champagne Kame, Chris, Christine, Colin, Connor, uh, Cracker Barrel, Cynthia, Dan K, Dan M, Dank Uger, Dave, uh, David Z, uh, Daya, Doug, uh, H, Dragon Slayer, Eugene, Fraz, FTW All Day, Greywind, Greg, Grim, Hitesh, Igor, Jack, Jameson Test, uh, Janelle, Jasmine, Jeremy, John, uh, John B, I should say, John S, Jonathan B, Jonathan L, uh, Joseph H, Joseph H, uh, Joseph R, whew, Joyce M, Justin S, Katie S, List is getting long. Kaushal, Lance, Lisa D, uh, MC, uh, Mariah, 
Mark S, Matt Z, Max W, me, Melissa M, Mitch, Michael B, Michael J, Michael M, Mr. Danks, Nicole, Namdenet, Null Style, Odef, Paul M, Penelope D, uh, Qster, Rad Dad Redemption, Remy, Ryan, Scott, Seth, Sean, Snazzles, Stephen R, Stephen S, and Steve A, Struggle Session, TM, Tamni G, Terrence, Hypervisor, This Is Not Pizza, Tina, Todd, Tom, Vance, Why That Tie Guy, Utopian, and Zoe G. Uh, DoomedPod.com for the podcast version of the show. Leave a review on iTunes. Haven't had an iTunes review in a while. And it's because I haven't really been focusing on that. I've been focusing a lot on getting people to like the YouTube channel. But if you get a chance, go to iTunes, type in Doomed, uh, leave us an iTunes review. It helps people find the show. YouTube.com slash MattBinder. Subscribe now. Uh, Twitch.tv slash MattBinder. actually just got an email inviting me to join the Twitch affiliate program. I have to look into that. That means possibly big things happening on Twitch for this show. If I can get my act together and start being more Twitch interactive, I'll do it. Um, what else? Uh, folks, tell people about this show. Tell your favorite podcasters or YouTubers you want uh, to see me on their show, if that's what you'd like, obviously. Uh, tell them you'd like to see them on this show. I would love to have them. Um, other than that, Jared Holt's going to join us on the patron half right now. Uh, otherwise, uh, also, if you're on the live stream, drop your questions. And also, you can do a super chat. I already see we have a super chat or two. I'll be reading that right off the bat in the second half of the show. Otherwise, that's that for the freebies. See you all next time on Doomed.